Blog Talk Radio. and navigator Robert Batista, author of the seminal novel Brooklyn Story and the powerful novella Carmela's Dream. The Funky Writers Show has been called the most informative, eclectic outlet for all wordsmiths and literati, now celebrating seven years of dynamic Writers Talk Radio. Why is the Funky Writers Show so terrific? Because I am a writer just like my guests and know that words of the breath of life. Connect with the show on the exciting Twitter page by going to at the funky writer. People who knew me when can recall my humble career beginnings in a manufacturing facility. I worked my way up through the ranks to the current desk job where I track down and report the environmental regulatory information that enables the company to sell products peripheral to the global semiconductor industry. But it wasn't always so. These revealing words are from today's guest, author and environmental technician, Catherine Diltz. Welcome, Catherine Diltz, to the Funky Writers Show. Thank you, Robert. It's nice to be here. It's nice and very good to have you, Catherine. Catherine, so good having you, as I said. Let's start off by you giving our audience some background of your life's journey and how you got to where you are today. I've always wanted to be a writer. Uh, As soon as I could hold a pencil in my hand, I was creating stories, little plays, um, and... I kept writing stories over the years, but there were long gaps. And about six years ago, I reached kind of a do-or-die moment. I thought either I'm going to get published or I'm going to take up an easier hobby like bowling. <laughs> and I I began to pursue my writing uh, with the same organization and uh, dedication that I used writing college papers and uh, pushing for that A grade. And it it did pay off. Uh, A couple years later, I sold my first short story to Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine. And that same year, I sold my first novel, Stone Cold Dead. 
So um, you said that uh, first, of course, it wasn't working for you, but then you you basically changed how you looked at things and did things. You basically pursued it like you were doing college papers, per se. Now, what was the mindset? How did you change? Did you take any creative writing courses? Did you study online? Did you did you what did you do to prepare that change? Well, the funny thing is, I had taken numerous uh, creative writing courses in college. Uh, I was in a critique group. I attended the local writers conference. But uh, I really, looking back believed that I just, I had the talent and I had the vision and I wasn't applying myself as diligently as it requires in this market. Uh, right. Writing, writing's a tough, tough field, writing fiction. And once I decided to uh, do, do 25 rewrites of a story, if that's what it took to make it good, uh, that's what I started doing, really sweating over my writing. So let's start with the rewrites. So um, where did you find in the beginning the most places where it needed the work? Did it need the work in the plot? Did it need the work in character development? Did it need the work in the beginning or in the ending for that matter? Where did you feel in the beginning your story needed the most work? Well, that's a good question. I think I've always been good at creating, and a lot of the characters come from life experiences. But uh, where I really think I was falling down was on plot, which you would think is one of the building blocks, one of the first things you'd learn. But it took me quite a while to learn how to uh, structure a story in a way to keep the pace going and to resolve all those threads all the plot threads at the end. And what really made the difference for me was uh, a friend uh, and author, R.T. Lawton, uh, challenged me to write short stories. And I thought, oh, I can't write short stories. Uh, When I did apply myself and start trying to write short, I realized that the problem in my long fiction um, was mostly a matter of plotting, of not thinking out where the story begins, what the key crisis points are, and how it's all resolved in the end. I'd like to talk about Stone Cold Dead, the first installment in the Rock Shop Mysteries. The back cover blurb states, a Colorado mountain community mixed in a struggling rock shop, a female amateur sleuth, two escaping donkeys, a disappearing body, and a dash of small-town intrigue sprinkled with a cast of shady suspects, and you have the ingredients for a delicious mystery. Wow. Very intriguing. How did the rock shop mysteries get created, Catherine? Uh, well, I've been writing... And I had completed some really bad novels that, thank goodness, never got published. Um, (laughs) Some friends uh, asked me about my writing. And uh, they're friends that we go hiking, my husband and I go hiking with quite a bit. And uh, they said, well, you seem like you really love rock shops. 
why don't you write a story set in a rock shop? And a light kind of went off, and I thought, what a great idea. I haven't heard of any mystery series set in a rock shop. Catherine, um, before you con- Catherine, before you continue, I'm sorry. Can you explain to our audience what a rock shop is? Oh, yes. Well, they're probably more prevalent in the western United States. Um, they um, are shops usually uh, pretty rustic on the outside, and um, they sell rocks, fossils, <laughs> min- minerals, gemstones. And uh, I we visit frequently in Moab, Utah, the uh, um, Lynn Ottinger's rock shop. And he's uh, a real character that uh, dug up quite a few interesting fossils over in Utah. And one time we were visiting in the shop and uh, looking, you know, they got crystals and uh, fish fossils and uh, antique junk and shark's teeth, whatever you can imagine. Um, that fascinates me. <laughs> Not everybody's interested in in rocks and fossils, but I noticed that there was a fossil in a glass case and uh, it was $12,000. And I thought, here's this rustic little shop that you wouldn't think there was much of value in it. A lot of the items are like 50 cents or a dollar each. And here's this $12,000 fossil for sale. And uh, that just kind of got the gears going. Right. So, um, did you shop your first novel? You said you got a you 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 writ, written for a magazine. You wrote for a magazine rather, and then you got a book deal, or you you were able to get a contract for a book. Uh, how did that come about? Did you shop? Did you get an agent? Did you shop around for a book deal? How did your first book deal uh, get established? I uh, did uh, shop the book around quite a bit. Uh, I joined the Mystery Writers of America and um, got to talk to some published authors, uh, multi-published authors, and kind of uh, ask them some of the the tricks of the trade. And uh, uh, one author suggested that as you are sending your book out to different agents and editors, you're still constantly working on it to try to improve it. If an agent makes a comment about your story that, well, I don't want it, I thought it was interesting, this might be a problem in it, look at their comments and think about it, and maybe you can improve it. Uh, My recommendation to someone looking for a publisher would be to polish that book, write the best book you possibly can, because there's a lot of intense competition. But uh, I learned about the publisher from uh, a person in the mystery writers group uh, who was very happy with their editor and with their experience with the publisher. So I would say being in a professional writing group is very helpful. Um, talking to published authors, they're, most of them are quite willing to share their experiences. Uh, I discovered that um, the people in the group that were published by, uh, this is five-star uh, they sell a lot into libraries. It's a right. primarily a, a publisher for libraries. Um, 
that everyone who was published with them was pleased with their experience. So I took a chance, and they bought my book. Now, Stone Cold Dead takes place in a Colorado mountain community, something it seems you may be quite familiar with. Did you lean on your experiences and personal situations to come up with some of the backstories and outside embellishments in creating the plot? Oh, yes, absolutely. And some of the characters are, uh, none of them are completely a person I know, but they may be a, uh, they may be cobbled together from different people I know in real life. So um, in Stone Cold Dead, um, the uh, cowboy character in it, Del Addison, uh, we know some real Colorado cowboys. So it's pretty easy to come up with a character who's not any of our friends or family, but is certainly based on their experiences as as Colorado cowboys. Um, The hiking trail... Uh, is based on a hiking trail here in Colorado Springs that I've been on uh, hundreds of times. So the scenery, the characters, yeah, they're they're definitely based on real life experiences. Uh, in my I, in the second, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. In the second book, Stone Cold Case, the actual uh, opening of the story is based on a camping trip went on and ran across a, um, a hunter's blind. And uh, it conjured up a story, an image in my head. The kids were playing around it. It was abandoned, hadn't been used in, you know, many years. The kids were jumping on top and falling in this little gully that had been uh, a tarp thrown over it. And, uh, I thought, what if there was a body at the bottom of that hunting blind? And slowly the story formed into uh, the basis for Stone Cold Case. I love that this book is a whodunit mystery. Um, It seems like writing mysteries is a lot of fun, Catherine, but also could be very challenging in maintaining a compelling storyline and handling all the suspects. Catherine, how challenging was it for you to put all of these pieces together, and was it a lot of fun to write? Oh, it was very challenging, and yes, it was a lot of fun. Um, Almost every mystery story I write, I think at the beginning I know who done it. By the okay. time I get to the by the time I get to the end, often I realize that person is not the person who did it, so it surprises me. It is difficult to um, set up the clues and set up right. the plot line, but um, if you if you let it be an organic process, a lot of times the twists and turns in the story will surprise will surprise the author. That's amazing. That's why I give kudos and props to all the the great mystery writers. Um, It's just, to me, a very, very, uh, I think it could be a complicated process, but I guess, like you said, if uh, you just let it play out organically, uh, it seems to basically work itself out. And that's really, really good to know, too. So 
then you published the second and most recent Catherine of the Rock Shop series, Stone Cold Case. How was the transition from handling the end of dead to the beginning of case? Does case pick up where the first book leaves off, or do you go in another direction? Pretty closely. Um, the timeline is pretty pretty close. I think it's just a couple months in between. Okay. And was case easier to write, basically? I mean, being that you already completed Dead and had the foundation, or was it more challenging to, to write? How did that work? In many ways, it was quite a bit easier because I had I had my world established. Right. So I had, a, I had a map. I knew the layout of the town and the area, the surrounding area. Um, I knew the characters already. So uh, in that sense, it was quite a bit easier. I'd also learned from my mistakes uh, about plotting and to keep a, a character list with character descriptions. Um, and I, I uh, had a good idea of where the, the story arc was going, that the characters in Stone Cold Dead had a lot of unfinished business that right. continues in Stone Cold Case. Right, right. That's great. Um, a recent five-star Amazon review of Stone Cold Case by Beth Milinski says in part, Stone Cold Case is the second book in Catherine Dilt's Rock Shop Mystery Series, and it is fantastic. I have not read books by Catherine Dilts, but now that I have, I definitely have another author to add to my must-read list. I don't usually read a book that is part of a series unless I have read the previous books, but Stone Cold Case sounded too good to pass up, and I am glad I didn't pass it up. The book can definitely be read as a standalone. Catherine Dilts does a great job making sure new readers have the details needed not to feel lost. Bravo, Catherine. When you can make each book of a series stand distinctively on its own, you've done your job, wouldn't you say? Oh, I sure hope so. And I really wanted Stone Cold Case to be able to stand alone. I, I agree with readers who enjoy series that some series, you do have to pick up the very first book in, in the series before you understand what's going on. Right. And while I would love for readers to, to pick up Stone Cold Dead, um, if they just read Stone Cold Case, I want them to have a satisfying reading experience. Catherine, I've seen a humongous growth in series books the last few years, usually three books, but sometimes four and even five and six. Catherine, why do you think they are so popular? As a reader, I know I enjoy series because you pick up the next book in the series and you feel you, there's a comfort in it. You're entering a world that you already know. And I think one thing people like when they're reading series is that you kind of feel like an insider. You know the backstory of the characters because you've been following the series. 
um, like uh, I liked Elaine Veith, her um, Dead End Job series. Uh, it's set in South Florida, and I feel like I'm going on a little vacation when I read her books because living in Colorado, where we get a lot of cold and snow, I get to experience what it's like hanging out in South Florida for a little while. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about Catherine Dilt, the person. I know you're originally from Oklahoma. What would you say your childhood was like? Were you rebellious as a child, a conformist, or a little bit of both? Oh, as a child, I I was the good kid. <laughs> I studied. <laughs> I did my homework. I got good grades. It wasn't until I went to college that I went through my rebellious stage and and then I decided I I was a hippie and I uh did the hippie thing for several years and then one day I kind of got tired of being broke and got a job and discovered I really liked working and uh <laughs> worked my way into the position I currently have which is uh, very satisfying because I feel like I'm doing something good for the environment with the with the work I do, which is mostly paperwork. But it's very interesting to me how when when I was in college, uh, environmental issues really became important to our country, and uh, now I get to work in that field. Catherine, who were some of the authors you enjoyed reading as a child and teenager, and what were some of the books that affected you the most back in those days? Oh, gosh. You know, one of the the very first book I ever read uh, was with my Uncle Bob, and he had uh, Dr. Seuss, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. And um, I think there was just something magical about, as a child, being able to read those words and realize that it made a story. And um, that just made a real impression on me. I must have been four years old. Right, right. And have been an avid reader ever since then. Um, I loved uh in oh first grade when we had the early readers there was a series about uh cowboy tom i think and i devoured those i loved cowboy stories thus i have cowboys in my current fiction and um the black stallion series by farley i read all of those i was a real uh, i i really loved Horses. Didn't get horses till many, many years later. Right, right. I think stories of the West have always captured my attention. So uh, some writers can whip out a pen or a laptop anywhere, anytime, and be able to create and be creative. Others need a certain place and a certain time of day for them to be effective. Which one are you? I make it work wherever, whatever time I have 
schedule is really tight. If I have time, I have to make it work. Um, I can do editing anywhere, anytime. The more creative work, like the first draft of a story, I do need a little bit of quiet to concentrate. But um, if you don't have much time, and most writers complain about not having enough time, you have to train yourself to be able to work in any kind of environment on your any any time uh, time constraint. Excellent point. Uh, now, we have to talk about your other career, as you recently stated, that of an environmental technician. Can you explain to our audience what that is and some of the interesting experiences that you've had working in this field? Uh, I work for a company that sells their products globally to semiconductor, the semiconductor industry. Um, right. There are unimaginable environmental regulations out there on products. In fact, if you have any electronic devices, your cell phone or whatever, you'll see, uh, you might see a little symbol on it that'll be a trash can with a line through it. Um, right. Basically, my, basically, my job is coming up with the information for my company to be able to label its products. Uh, customers will not buy products that have uh, lead, cadmium, mercury, hexavalent, chromium. Uh, And my job is doing the research, finding the lab test reports to uh, be able to state that our product meets environmental regulations. As far as interesting uh, things having to do with my job, it's it's mostly paperwork. I really encourage... uh, young people who are in college to look into environmental science um, as a career because uh, it's not going to go away. It's just going to become more and more important. Right. Very interesting. We also, Catherine, have to discuss your membership in the Short Mystery Fiction Society and writing stories for the Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine. How long have you been writing for the magazine, and how did you get started doing that? Um, As I said earlier, uh, my friend, author R.T. Lawton, challenged me to write some short stories. And uh, when I, I I wrote a dozen of them that haven't gone anywhere. But um, as I started writing them, I realized I really like short fiction. And um, the first story I sold was to Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine in uh, 2012, and it came out the following spring in 2013. And um, I I found I'm able to take more risks with short fiction. Um, You're willing to try more new things writing a short piece because you don't have as much time invested in it as you would with a novel. So um, you were challenged to write short stories, which you did, and became successful and good at it. Now, during that challenge and when you were successful and when you wrote short stories, did that help you in your longer fiction? Did writing those shorties help you and prepare you better to write longer fiction? Absolutely. 
um, in a short story, every word counts. Right. You, you can't you can't have extra stuff in there taking up space because you're, you're limited. Um, then when you go back to your novel length fiction, that same intensity uh, can start building in your long fiction. Um, not wasting words, not wasting scenes, making everything count, carries over into long fiction very well. Uh, you can think about books that you've read that you would call a page turner that you couldn't put down. That's a book that didn't waste any words. Right. Let's talk social media and its impact. Um, are you on the social media platforms such as Goodreads, Twitter, and Facebook and the like? And of all the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial for your brand? I'm not on Twitter or Facebook. Okay. And I do, I love Goodreads. I use Goodreads. Right. I have a website with a blog. And uh, I I do not do all that much uh, social media. Uh, okay. Mostly because because of my limited time, because I have a full-time day job. Right. In closing, if Catherine Diltz was just beginning her writing career and starting out today, looking back, what would be the first piece of advice you would give her? Oh, boy. Let me see. Well, one thing someone recommended I do when I started writing mysteries was to take 10 mysteries of the type you like to read and study them like you're in a college literature class. Right. I think that's the advice I give myself was to take it very seriously from a literary standpoint early on and really study the genre. Excellent advice. Catherine, give out any contact information if someone wants to contact you. Uh, I know you have a website. You can give that out. And, you know, if someone wanted to contact you, and how would they would be the best way for them to do this? Uh, yes, my website is um, at www.catherinedilts.com. Uh, my the, my email is catdiltsauthor at gmail dot com. That's c a t d i l t s author at, at gmail dot com. This has been the Funky Writer Show with me, Robert Batista. I'm at at author R Batista on Twitter. You can find my ebooks on smashwords.com and my novels, including Street Angel, on Amazon.com. My guest has been the prolific author and so much more, Catherine Diltz. Make sure you visit her fantastic website, CatherineDiltz.com, and feast your soul. Thank you so much, Catherine, for being a guest on the Funky Writer Show. Bye now.